Your superpowers are the things you do best with the least amount of effort. They're not in the water, they're not on a mountaintop, they're not hidden under a rock. These gifts are instilled in you at birth by a gifted creator. If you can identify these superpowers, they are the gifts that will change the world. Join us to discover yours. That was the last time we watched it, so we had to watch it, hey? It's been good. Have you enjoyed the series? I've found it thought-provoking. I've found it challenging, but it's been good. Overall, it's been really, really good. And if you've missed any, you're here for the first time, you are more than welcome to go in onto our website and you will find, look back and you'll find, as per the date, the recording of all these preachers. So you can always, always, always catch up. So as I said, our last one, and last one in the, in the list, and so far, the six we've covered, I wonder if you could list them without looking, but they are, no specific order, let's see if I can. First, we, did, we started off with prophecy, we did mercy, and we did service, we did encouragement, and we did teaching, and last week we did gifting, or giving, All right, giving, there they are, and those the ones, so the last one, the one that's left, is leadership, and that's what I'm going to do, and by now, I hope you can almost, as Glendon said last week, I think, you can quote the scripture, you can tell me where it is, though, can't you, where is it, our scripture that we've read for the last five weeks, Romans chapter 12, verse 6 to 8. Yeah, you know. So I just was, when I was preparing, I was thinking about Romans. Paul wrote Romans. He wrote the letter when he was on his third missionary journey. So what was Paul doing? He was using his gifting. He was out there traveling the Asian world, preaching, encouraging, using his gifts for the larger body of Christ. And he's just, we then, we're not too sure exactly, he was either just left Corinth or he arrived in Philippi when he wrote this letter. And when you read the whole letter, we learn that he wanted to go to Rome. And he was planning to go to Rome. He was, what he was doing, another gifting area, he was taking a very generous gift that he'd collected from all the churches as he'd gone through for the church in Jerusalem. Because the church in Jerusalem had great need. So he was... Taking from others this incredible gift of generosity. And you and I know he did successfully get to Jerusalem, but he was arrested. And for many, many years, he was imprisoned around Israel. And many years later, he did go to Rome, but he was in chains. He was a, captor, a captive. So his plans, a man working out, did not work out the way he thought it was going to. Our Glendon shared that message about, oh, sorry, Candace, about God's timing. Paul might have thought, now God, I was going to Rome and here I am in prison. But God's timing is perfect. Thank God he was in prison. He wrote the most amazing letters in prison. So God works his ways. Romans is about, if I had to encapsulate it, it is the truth of the gospel. If you want to know what, are we, what is the fundamental truth of what we believe, read Romans. It's heavy. It's heavy reading. But it is superb doctrine on what is the truth. And 
The first 11 chapters tell us how we, as Christians, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have the righteousness of God. It is clothed on you because of Jesus' death on the cross. And for the first 11 chapters, he explains that. Then in chapter 12, he says, okay, guys, now you know this incredible gift, this righteousness that you have, let's put it into action. And in verse 1 of chapter 12, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your spiritual worship. That's where we then, a couple of verses down, he tells us our gifts. I hope that gives you, after these six weeks, a platform for where Paul's coming from into this. Now, verses 6 to 8, I'm not going to read it all, but it starts, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Then he says about leading, the one who leads with zeal. Some translations say, if it is to lead, do it diligently. So, wonder, hands up, who had it in their top three? Okay, cool, cool man. And now the rest of you, remember the chair that I had when I preached last time? Remember the chair? The chair is Jesus. It's beautiful chair. It's padded. It's comfortable. It's got everything that it needs. We are chairs too, but our chairs are getting there. So I would say to you, is your leadership right at the bottom? Is it a very broken leg or is it a broken arm? Or doesn't, you don't have any padding of the leadership. Whatever it is, remember all our gifts. We're working at them. We're using them to glorify God, to glorify God. So we're going to follow the same pattern that we've done every week. We're going to say, we'll find out what leadership is. We're going to see how Jesus did it. And then we're going to, well, how do we apply this marvelous gift? So what is this gift? World-style leadership is very different. I'd like to say opposite to godly leadership. And God warned us. He warned us about this style of leadership. You go right back to the book of Samuel. Samuel is uh, the prophet Samuel, and the people have decided, look at everybody else. Everybody else, Israel, Israelites, are saying, they've all got kings. We need a king. We want a leader. So he says, he says it's a quite a long, you can go and read it in 1 Samuel chapter 8, but in verse 11 and 12 he says, now think, as I read this, think of leaders today, political leaders, nation leaders, CEOs, anyone who you know in leadership. These will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and be his horsemen and run before his chariots. He will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties. And he goes on, he says, he'll take your daughters. He'll take your grain. He'll take everything. Don't whinge. You ask for it. And you know what? We get the leaders we vote for. Choose. Appoint. Why? Because we go for those gregarious ones. Those ones who are out there, charismatic, forceful, outspoken. I mean, that's the sort of leader we want, isn't it? And we get what we deserve. We get what we ask for. We get what we appoint. 
It is not true leadership. It is not true leadership. Don't you notice that this gift of leadership is number six in the list? Surely it should be first. I mean, really, a leader. Number six. Paul in that alone is telling us it's just another gift. Just another gift. So here's the definition. Motivating others to work together harmoniously, exclamation mark, to achieve a common purpose or goal. So let's look at a few words and phrases in there. First, that first phrase, motivating others. I can remember, I, can't, I think from a little girl, remembering this, I don't know what picture you have of motivation, but it's one that's been with me for a long, long time, of the donkey. And there's two ways to get that donkey moving. You either whip him <laughs> and beat him and kick him and, and like um, Balaam did to his, get up, you stupid donkey. <laughs> or you put a carrot on his bridle there, so he keeps on trying to get the carrot, and of course he keeps walking. That neither of those are right motivation. We don't motivate by fear. We don't motivate by making someone feel guilty because they're not listening to us. We don't motivate someone by filling them with shame because they're not doing what we want to do. Neither we do we say, well, if you read your Bible every day, you will be a good Christian. We don't motivate like that in, in the Christian world, in the God's way of leadership. So how do we, what, how do we motivate? We motivate by helping others see how they can soar, see how well they can do. That's what, how we motivate. We say, look at what you can do. Come on. You can do the position of a leader is the tiniest little part. The position of the leader is the tiniest little part. In the world, it is the big part. Well, I'm the CEO. You, I'm the CEO. You can't speak to me like that. You want me to do that? I'm the CEO. So that's why in this church, in many churches I know, of, I may be an elder, but you don't. Okay, from now on, everyone, I am Elder Laney. I will only reply to Elder Laney. Notice my position, please. No, I'm not even Pastor Laney. I am Laney, who has the incredible privilege of being an elder in Hope City Church. My privilege, as I'm doing this morning, to motivate you, to excite you about this gift of leadership. That is why we do not give titles to each other. Together. We always use this gift together. Have you noticed we have a preaching team? We have a worship team. I know Glendon only wants, wants her, but we've got a, a hosting team. <laughs> we do things better in team. We motivate better in team. And when we do things in team, it'll be good for now. It'll be good for tomorrow. Most importantly, it'll be good forever as we go into God's kingdom. So as I would say here, guys, as a team, 
As I look at you, I know you've got that mixture of gifts. Some are strong, some are weak. As a team, guys, when we all use our gifts to the best of our ability, what's going to happen? We will grow. The church will grow. Our friends and family will benefit. The community will benefit. And the world will benefit. Don't you want that? For the glory of God as we do this thing together. And then harmoniously, such a nice word, harmoniously, rolls off the tongue. Proverbs 28, verse 12. This is in the ESV. When the righteous triumph, there is great glory. But when the wicked rise, people hide themselves. Message says it's so good, this one. When good people are promoted... Everything is great. But when the bad are in charge, watch out. So true, isn't it? So true of today's world. A lovely synonym equals to word for leadership is influence. And rather than thinking, as you sit here today, rather than thinking, who can I lead, think who can I influence for the kingdom of God? God gives us the gift of being able to help to influence others. As a parent or as a team of parents, husband and wife, you influence your children. As school teachers, you influence a class. As a member of a team in any work situation, you can influence that team, even in the shopping center, when you're walking along, the way that you present yourself, the way that you smile at people, greet people, the way that you treat the um, teller, the way that you treat fellow human beings as you're walking around, you can influence them. And we're leading them. We can all do that, can't we? We all have a sphere of influence, every single one of us. Let's start influencing for the kingdom of God. On day 29 of the devotional, I don't know how you're doing with your devotional. You know, there's been one for every day. But on day 29, which is coming, uh, it'll be whatever day it'll be, it'll be <laughs> day 29, it does a lovely um, description of how this gift of leadership looks different in people. We tend to think, well, if we're going to appoint a leader, we need someone who's really cool with speaking publicly, who's quite bold and brash, who's able to get people moving. That's how we think, don't we? We've got to change that mindset. It's a wrong mindset of leadership. So when paired with encouragement, our leadership style will be more, our influencing style will be more motivational. When paired with mercy, compassion will be the, ma the major driver in our influence. When it's with prophecy, we'll be able to see what's coming in the future and we'll influence people in how to prepare for that. Can you see? So no matter where your mixture of gifting is, you will lead and it will be different. I really, just as close your eyes, Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray that you'll change our hearts in, from the way we view leadership. Oh, God Almighty, may it become a true way, the way that, that you see leadership. 
May we not put down those who don't lead in the same way that we do. Thank you, Jesus, that we are all so different. Amen. Second major point today is Jesus is the only perfect leader. So obviously, we learn from him. We can write, we can do a whole series on how Jesus led. So I've, we've just picked out four of them, four ways that he led. Firstly, he was courageous. He was a courageous leader. When things got really tough, I mean tougher than any single one of us has ever experienced, think of him in the Garden of Gethsemane. He didn't back down. He didn't back down. He kept on going because he knew his mission. He knew his father. And he knew that what he was going to do would influence and change the world forever. He was humble yet strong. He didn't try and dominate. He didn't try and make it look, I'm the main dude, you know. Do what I do, say right now. He was humble but very strong. People responded to him. They saw that strength within him. He didn't fight to be on top fight to be recognized. He served his followers. Such a radical idea then and a radical idea now. Imagine Ramaphosa coming and washing all our feet. I mean, we chuckle, but just put, or Putin, let's say Putin. Let's imagine Putin going and washing Zelensky, the president of Ukraine's feet. That's the sort of thing Jesus did. He washed his followers' feet. He served those who followed him. And lastly, he sacrificed. He gave it up. I don't think, I know he didn't want to go to the cross. Confession, yesterday morning, I had a hectic week, another story, but on Sunday, yesterday morning I hadn't done anything. <laughs> I sat in front of my computer and I thought, I don't feel like doing this. It's Saturday. I've worked all week. I still had lots to do that I did in between. I don't feel like preparing a preach. I don't want to use this gift tomorrow. I'm going to phone Glennon. I don't feel like it. I don't know what Glennon would do. <laughs> I haven't tested that one yet. <laughs> I promise it was a sacrifice. I sat in front of my computer with it still off, and I prayed. Jesus reminded me of what he sacrificed for me. And I'm whinging because I'm tired and because I've had a hard week. Who do I think I am? And I switched on my computer, and as I word, read the word and got stuck in, it was so good. Guys, using our gifts is not always going to be easy. If you think it's all going to be a lovely ride and it's not going to be hard, please think again. Jesus is the perfect leader and he sacrificed everything for you and I. He gives this wonderful encouragement to his followers and to us today in Matthew 11, verse 29 and 30. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me saying, I'm the perfect leader. 
I'm the perfect leader. Walk in step with me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Do you know that's the only place in the Gospels where we are told what Jesus about Jesus' heart? It doesn't say he's a courageous heart. It doesn't say he's got a bold heart. It says, I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isn't that an incredible encouragement from our Lord and Savior? Take it for yourself today. All the gifts, all the gifts as we use them, as we just do them, will lead us closer to Christ. All of them. And leading will lead you closer to Christ. So my last point, leadership is important, even if it's number seven on your list. So lead. Influencing others is vital for the kingdom of God. I believe I have a gift of leadership. It is in my, it is in my top three. And I've led in different places over my years of being alive. But in 2001, God called me into a position of leadership that was so uncomfortable. He'd taken me out of the corporate world. I was teaching in a school. And in 2001, I was asked to be the principal. Now, I'm cool with admin. I'm cool with leadership. I'm cool with looking after a team. All of that's fine. But this was the King's School, which is a Christian school, Christian-based, and the emphasis is raising up leaders for Jesus. And as a principal, my responsibility was raising up the team that God had there in place to love Jesus more, to serve Jesus more, to be excellent teachers in every way to give him glory. And I felt so incapable. I'd never studied education. I'd never been in a South African school. I was brought up in Zimbabwe. I can remember going to my principal meetings and thinking, what, what are they talking about? Clueless. And then they asked me, and they'd be telling how they've years and years in education, and they've done this and they've done that. And I'm thinking, oh, taught for two years. <laughs> but no qualification as a teacher. I felt so out of my depth, but I knew God wanted me there. My quiet time with him every morning was the most important thing. It was my lifeline. I was exhausted. I worked 24-7. I had small children, but it was my lifeline because I knew if I didn't have his presence, knowing what he was saying to me that day, I would not survive. It was but one of the hardest years of my life. We need God in all our gifting. As Glendon shared with us, we can do things, but to do them supernaturally, to do them by the power of God, takes everything to a brand new level. God is looking for 
Firstly, can I say, he is looking for people. There are plenty of critical, cynical, self-centered people out there. There is no lack of those people. He's looking for people who are connected to the Father, connected, vitally, intimately connected to the Father. He's looking for people who will say, I won't give up. I won't give up. Though the odds are down and it looks hopeless, I'm called, I will not give up. And he's looking for people who are willing to use their gifts. Desiring to use their gifts. And today, specifically, to this gift to influence. God needs people who see the fruit and not the giants. It's so easy to see the giants. But it takes faith to see the fruit. And if you're not sure what I'm talking about, go back and read Exodus when, when they looked for the first time into the, into the promised land. Two men out of 12 said, we see fruit. God's on our side. We can do this. The other 10 said, no, no, no. Have you seen those dudes? What are you seeing, people? Are you seeing the giants or are you seeing the fruit? It takes faith. It takes faith. These are not my words, but it's said so beautifully. And we'll put them up. God is looking for leaders who influence others diligently. Just taking it from the scripture. Givers who give generously. Encouragers who strengthen others inspirationally. Mercy bringers who do so compassionately. Servers who serve selflessly. Inquirers who share their knowledge humbly, and perceivers who live fearlessly. Every single one of us understanding that we're servants of the King. Loving Jesus more and more passionately every single day. This is the end of the series, but it's the beginning of us impacting the world. Yes, Hope City, it's the end of the series, but we're going to impact this world for Jesus, for his kingdom. Are you with me? As Joshua said, or are you against me? (laughs) Joshua's words. Using our God-given wiring. No pedestals. Oh, what's, look at her, she's the, her mercy. Look at him, you're, you're, you're prophetic. No pedestals. God's wiring. All equal in the eyes of God. And he's saying in all of this. <laughs> Sorry, Candice, I've given you the giggles. <laughs> now she's giggling at me and I can't concentrate. <laughs> Anyone have a giggle? <laughs> In all of this, God is saying, I've got you. I've got you. Doesn't matter about anything else. God has got us. 
I had a word last, not last night, on Friday during the worship, but I just didn't feel it was the time to bring it. And now I felt when I was worshiping, I thought, okay, I know where, where you want me to put it in, because I want us to pray. And I just, he just reminded me, a very simple word, where when the priests came, you, you know in the Old Testament they appointed priests. And God, Jesus is our high priest. Constantly interceding, he's our priest and our king, and he's constantly interceding with the Father for us and with us. But we are all priests. The word tells us that. We are all priests. So three things that a priest did, he would come to the altar. You have to come to the presence of God. You have to come. You have to choose to step into his presence. You can do it anywhere. There they had to do it in a physical place. We can come into the presence of God. We can come before him all day, every day, any moment. Yes. But come to the altar. He would offer incense. We sang about the offering of incense, that beautiful song today. That's prayer. Offer incense. Arrow prayers. All the time, prayers. And thirdly, he wore an ephod. Now, the ephod had on his shoulders six, six tribes here, six tribes here, uh, all the jewels, beautiful jewels representing the 12 tribes of Israel and the decisions, the Urim and the Thummim in his pocket. So in other words, what's that all about? I felt that that is about everything that we do. Are we bringing, as we come into to the presence of God, as we offer incense, yes, we're there, but we bring everybody else. We bring our prayers, we bring our friends, we bring our family, constantly bringing them in with us, a burden, a good burden on our hearts. And that's what we present before the Father. Let's stand. Please close your eyes. If you feel comfortable because you want to ask Jesus for something, just open your hands, however you feel comfortable, but I encourage you. I'm praying, but this, you were talking to Jesus, and we're asking Jesus for something as we end off this series, to raise your palms to receive from him. Raise your palms in expectation, because he wants to minister. Mm. He wants to give more of his Holy Spirit. He wants to presence himself upon you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your gifts to me. Thank you for this mixture that you've given me. Lord, I remind myself that it's not about me. It's all about you. I'm not going to do this by my strength, Lord God. I'm going to do it by your strength. Because I know every good gift comes from you. He wants to give us wisdom when to use our gifts. He wants to give us strength to use those gifts. He wants to give us courage to step out and be bold, even when we don't feel like it. 
Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Claudine, can we sing that song we sang today? Come, Holy Spirit. Let's just continue in this place of worship. And let's sing this song from the foundation of this, of what we've learned today. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, move among us. Come, Holy Spirit. Flow, living water. Flow within us. Flow, living water. Sing, come, Holy Spirit.
chapter 4, Jesus is speaking to a woman at a well, and he says, if anyone drinks this water from the well, earthly things, they will be thirsty again. Friends, the things of this world will never satisfy. It's only Jesus. It's only the Spirit of God. So, Father, we, we drink deeply this morning of your living water, not of things of this world, as attractive as they might be, Our faith is in you. Our hope is in you. Only you can bring living water. Help us, Lord, to fill up every day that we could give those around us a taste of living water. Thank you, Jesus.